guys, we're back. Diary of a Therapist. We're gonna pick up where we left off from our last episode. We're gonna talk about a current event. Um, we're gonna try to bring in um, some current events that are local, at least to the state of Texas, because um, we kind of think that a lot of therapists that are gonna be listening to us might be local mm. to our state. And so we learned about a um, youth pastor that was um, in position at a church in Texas that was just released from prison or is about to be released, I think, um, that was accused of sexually abusing multiple girls. Um, in the teens. Yeah. So many girls. Yeah, so many girls um, mm. at his church. And, you know, Cass and I talked about um, how specific we wanted to be in terms of like what we would release about the perpetrator in this case. Um, that's a hard call for us because we really want to honor the victims and not try to hide um, information about um, the perpetrator in this case. But we ultimately decided not to release the actual name of that individual because we also didn't want to give any more um, spotlight mm -hmm. to that individual. But before we jump into this really sensitive um, current event, we just want to say like, um, as a provider, I hope I don't sit here and cry on the show. I, I think just, you should. But man, as a provider hearing, I am going to cry about it. Mm. 14 girls being entrusted mm. in the care of a youth pastor and enduring something like that. Whew. I have two daughters myself. I have, I have two sons. Cass has a daughter, beautiful little girl. And I think about what those families endured. Yeah. I wonder... I wonder what the process was, you know, at their home church, what kind of care they got, what kind of counsel they received, um, and, you know, what their trauma journeys look like recovering not only from mm. a, a, an incredulous violation for their daughters, but, you know, for the fathers yeah. and for the mothers of those children, entrusting someone, entrusting their babies, their treasures into the care of these youth pastor, into this, the care of this youth pastor, and then having to, uh, you know, just process that. I can't, yeah. as a mom, I mean, you know, um, I think I'd go to war. Yeah. I know some, you would. I know some dads that I think, <laughs> I, I just think they, they might do bodily injury. I, yeah. I can't imagine yeah. being through that. So um, our heart goes out to you guys, and we're so sorry for the families. If, if yeah. any of you are hearing this, we're just really sorry that you endured that. It's not right. Yeah. Um, we want to be a catalyst for change in those situations. Yes. Yes. So um, it, in the article that we read, it said that the situation sparked outrage and concern within the community with many questions of how such abuse could have gone on for so long without being detected. <laughs> and that particular line really caught me. And that's really where I want to open is like, how does abuse like this go on in a, in a church setting like this without being detected? And how do we get, how do we end up with people in positions of power, especially in positions of pastorship? Yeah. Um, and there'd be ongoing abuse and, um, People don't know about it. Right. Can I just say one thing, though? Please, yeah. This is reason number 452 why I love you is because you are so passionate about the people that you see and so passionate about their families yes. and the stories. And, like, it does hit you at home because you're willing to put their shoes on. And I just think that's what makes you such a killer therapist. Oh, it's what <laughs> makes people want to tell you their stories and feel safe true safety. Because yeah. I think what you're describing is false safety. Like, here's this church, trust us come on this trip or whatever it looks like for youth yeah. and we've we've deemed this guy credible so you should yeah. too and it's like how do we you know just navigate that i think that's it's big and i think you demonstrate authentically genuine trust Thank you. and what that looks like to hold a story close so oh. i just want to commend you for mm. that yeah, this is a hard topic. I mean, Cam talked in our last episode about how pastors are given trust um, without earning it. Yeah. 
you know? And so you think about in this storyline, um, if a, if an executive pastor said the youth pastor is trustworthy, then the parents are believing that they're trustworthy. Mm. They've been given trust without earning it. And, you know, I think whenever you go back, um, having, you know, if you've had an experience like that, where you've been abused in a church or a family member has been abused in a church setting, you go back and you wonder why did I give that trust away without, yeah. without having someone earn it? And I don't really feel like that's necessarily the responsibility of the congregant, but I know having counseled people that have experienced abuse in a church setting, that's a question that comes up is yeah. like, why didn't I ask more questions? Right. Why didn't I? Yeah. But then for me, even as a clinician, the question is how? Yeah. How do we how do we honor people in pastoring positions? Yeah. And and you know, I guess hold space for what their positions are, but also hold them accountable yeah. and make sure that we're really safeguarding. Um, the parishioners underneath them, the children especially, yeah. the yeah. children especially. especially. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I think we have to redefine the word honor, absolutely. and that's a whole other conversation. But I want Cam to weigh in. Cam's yeah. back with us. Yeah, and she was a youth pastor. <laughs> yes, yes, Cam. I was. And I just think I, the question, like, so she was posing, oof. the people in the congregation are like, how in the world did this happen so long yeah. without our knowing? Like, what would you say? I, You know what? I don't know a lot about... Um, I don't know a lot about this situation. I haven't read about it, but it happens. One, it happens way too often. I'm going to say something. This is going to implicate kind of church in mass. But a lot of the times, the pastors or uh, the people who end up in high positions at churches, they are placed there. They're not even called. Well, they're not even called. There's a difference between calling and placement. And Do you have a white hanky? Because I'm waving it. <laughs> Can you define that? Um, uh, uh, the difference uh, between calling and placement? That's powerful. Listen, mm-hmm. I, I think a person who is called to be a pastor has two things strong, sympathy and empathy. Mm. That is how you are most like Jesus. You have both oh, sympathy mm, well. and empathy. You feel it and you're moved to action. Oh, oh, right there. That is sympathy and empathy. You're a pastor if you have those two things. You're preaching. Somebody who is placed in those positions, they're probably more of a good manager or a good business. You know, it's Mm -hmm. a their their business. They're going to organize. They're great with spreadsheets, but I don't think a a person who's they're not moved to act out of they're not moved. There's mm-hmm. there's managers and there's ministers. I think there are people who are be who are being called ministers. They're actually managers. They yeah. don't know how to function with people to get down in the dirt to really right. dig and really be with somebody. See, so that's what I was. So they manage the situation. So they not man- empathize, they manage the symp- sympathize, or right. hear it. So I don't know about this guy or whoever. I don't know yeah. what what I don't know if he was placed there by somebody he knew. But that happens too much where I put you there because you're my buddy. And I don't ask any because questions. Because of the charisma of narcissism. Nepotism. <laughs> Nepotism. Welcome to so, yeah. so that So that's first off. That could be a, a, a reason. But how this happened, and I would just like to say I'm not patting myself on the back when I say this. I'm saying this out of uh, I would uh, – It's it hurts – to hear somebody call themselves a pastor who is when the thing that you are supposed to do protect. is protect 
people and you harmed people you were put in a position to protect. It's corrupt. You don't have sympathy and mm-hmm. you don't have empathy. Well. You have something else. Mm-hmm. Something else is in you other than those things that are just like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened, ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> uh, this person, whoever committed this act, he took it upon himself to harm the people he was put in yeah. in charge in charge of. So whenever a parent ever dropped the kid off at our old youth yeah. ministry, whenever they would do that, I said to myself, they're handing me the their, most precious the most precious yeah. thing that yeah. they could hand hand me. And trusting you. They're they're trusting me with their most valuable possession. It's not a car. Wow. It's not a it's it's not a car. It's not money. It's more than that. It's more than that. They're giving me their child and they're saying, "Hey, will you please spiritually guide my mm-hmm. uh, guide my child or get this crazy person out of my hair? I yeah. need I need yeah. an hour to think." But either way, it's either like way. still. Yeah. They're giving me. So I always said that. I literally would say that to myself. This is somebody's most precious possession. So I'm like, how am I going to treat this? Because one day I'll have to give an account. That guy who did that, his account is empty. And he will have to answer to that before God. And I'm sure he's repented and he feels bad and all that good stuff. But Well, now that he's... Yeah, now that he got caught or whatever it was. I don't know what happened, but... So what do you think about... if So... I have two questions. Mm-hmm. One is, what are things that therapists, because I think about this in the terms of you're similar to Jess in that your passion comes out. Like you're passion. totally called <laughs> and to protect. Like when you talk about that, it's like it. palpable. <laughs> so it, it's just because you're not in the room, you can't sense this, but it's like he, it's palpable their passion mm. for this. And not that I don't have it, but it's just so cool to see it in them. But so what... As therapists, yes. how can we help churches or as people who work in churches, what boundaries would have been helpful to them? What things need to be customary practice? I, I think one, um, is the person in the position called to be in that position? Not placed, not you're my friend, like um, not are you filling a spot are you where you're supposed to be? Because I think you're going to give a level of care to something that you are passionate about, that you are excited about, and that you know that you're supposed to be there. I think there are some, you know, some churches, some large churches that they're just filling a position yeah. with somebody. They're like, hey, listen, we, we need you to just step in. We need you to do this. Or maybe that person is a good manager, like I said, but they're not a very good minister. You're, you're setting that person up for failure. So number one, I feel Ooh. like on the spiritual side, is that person called to, to, work, with that to work with that population. Okay. I feel like I was called to work I do too. with students. Yeah. I was called to do it. Well, but you go full circle, right? Because you talked in the episode that you were on before about how you got placed in a position as a pastor. You ended up having to do like marriage counseling and, and you were like, I don't know what I'm doing, right? Correct. So what you're talking about is a DNA structure in a church that lacked boundaries from the get-go. Mm. Correct. So if there's no boundaries at this executive level, then, you know, that DNA is infiltrated right. down and it says you can't have boundaries either. 
Rather oh. than it, nobody's looking at anybody and saying, I'm not Ooh. equipped for this, right? Because because if we don't lead from that place of vulnerability that says, here's what I'm good at, mm-hmm. here's what I'm not, here's what I can do, here's what I can't do, what falls in the middle of that is those that marginalized population. It, it, there's the lives of, you know, 10 plus young women that were impacted because they were pushed out to those margins. Mm. They didn't matter enough right. to bring a person right. in, you know, based on kind of this working theory. Yeah. Of, Do you have sympathy and empathy? Are you a minister? Or are you a manager? <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a really good, it is. Um, just cut and dry way of looking at it. When you said that, that part about just like being called to action in it, that is pastoring. That's also yeah. counseling. But I think that's a big component of pastoring. Yeah. So the best pastors I know are the ones yeah. that are getting those calls yeah. at, you know, midnight. And because, going something yeah, about it. Yeah, and they're, mm-hmm. they're moved by yeah. what's happening in their congregation. That's good pastoring. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, and you know, so like <laughs> when you're talking about cases like this, where, you know, people have been, you know, egregiously harmed by someone mm. in a pastoring position. I think if you if you got down all the way down to the brass tacks of that, you look at it and say, the reason that this can go on undetected for so long is because there's not a good boundary structure in the DNA of the church. Mm. And I think it's because we're afraid oh. to ask these really hard questions Yo. about how or why are you called into yeah. this? And what moves you, right? right? I mean, mm. I'm talking about girls that I don't even know. And their story moves me because yeah. I am I am born and, and it's in my bones to counsel. It's in my bones to come in <laughs> yeah. and say, you know, I want to be able to help to facilitate healing. I want to be able to do that, right? But if you're talking about a pastor that's just placed in a position to manage that because nobody else can or nobody else will, or they don't want to take the time to figure right. out who is actually called and equipped for that, <laughs> then really what has to happen is that then the upper level of executiveship has to understand that what comes as a byproduct of that, the yeah. dangers that come well, out of that are their responsibility. Yes. Ooh, y'all, she I mean, just... Oh, Where's your hanky? We hey. gotta wave that again. Yeah. No, it's true. It's I'm so coming, true. I'm walking down the aisle. I'm walking. I'm walking down the aisle. I'm getting resaved <laughs> again. In. Goodness gracious. No, but it's so true but because it's boundaries, it is. Right? It's boundaries. It's ba- and I think that's the thing is that even as we lead in the counseling world, we are that executive team. Yeah. In a lot of ways, even yeah. though you're like I hide under a rock, it's not true. People no, look to you, and 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 there's influence in all of that and in what mm. we do. And it's like, if I help five people mm-hmm. be better stewards of yeah. what they do, if Cam helps five pastors have empathy and sympathy and move to act, it's like we've done a good thing. Yeah. And I think we have to start looking at it like that, that we are stewards and we are gatekeepers and we can turn the tides yeah. mm. of how people see church how people see the clinical arena yeah it's like how do we change that synthesis and really make ripple effect yeah. because that's what churches need is they and what i'm hearing you say it's like they need executives to care and to be less about bottom line money and management, management. we've got that box so checked good, and someone mm. in there it's like we've got people who like cam i know i've served with cam in junior high he loved those kids (laughs) and those kids loved him and there's still kids that we knew in youth group that will come up and hug you and see you and like they're having their own children now i'm officiating those weddings right now but it's true but but what you've built in them got them through seasons that they you probably don't even know i don't you know to know that someone was for them in that way and they sense that genuine care and concern and that's, I think, why the violation feels so 
egregious. Yeah. Like it just feels so awful because these girls trusted him. They trusted him. They they trusted him. That and the parents trusted him. I, I, I'm going to throw something else in oh, no. to the mix I'm here, ready. and this is uh, also in current affairs that are happening right now. I don't know if y'all know who this person. I don't know if y'all have listened to any of this person, but I'm going to say the name, and you're going to know who it is. It's a very popular name, and it's R. Kelly. Oh, I watched every single episode. And. You know, um, I did because he was such. What he did was (laughs) lovely. What what he did was inexcusable. But I think that some of the parents, say it, who were some of the parents, say it, grew up on R. Kelly's music, and they were so happy and starstruck. They handed their their daughters. No, not R. even Kelly. kids, daughters. You don't have my trust. <laughs> no, he didn't. He what? didn't. He earned it through the music. And let me tell you something. His music was Dirty. highly sexually Dirty. Uh, yeah. driven. So yeah. I'm like... Um, but I think... You know what? I think you're presenting such a good... That's such a good... It's just a cross. No, just it's a the cross. same thing, different... And, and you know what's interesting to me? That they would say to you... Oh, you can't compare these apples and oranges, R. Kelly, to this. Yes, you can. Oh, but you can. Because it's the exact <laughs> same. Right. Just because that was that could have been their church. Yeah. Listening to Bump and Grind. You know what I mean? Like that was their church. We're over here. And it's like that's who they trusted based on because how do we truly know to trust a pastor? Which leads me to like my life catchphrase, which is trust your gut. Trust your gut. Mm-hmm. Which is when trust your it. instincts, and I, and I would say that to the people who are like, how did this happen on our watch? I'm saying it sassy because it kind of bothers me <laughs> that people would say, well, darling, I just don't quite know how this happened. It's like <laughs> you knew. When you have a feeling about somebody, trust it. Yeah. When your gut says to you something's not okay, say something. Yeah, but we want to be nice. We want. Oh, well, we're so kind here in the South, darling. We are. Well, I don't. We are. <laughs> That's why we're friends. No. I'm just going to call it out and be like, this feels like this. So where what do we fr- do about where are you it? From? This is Jessica you who, from? she's from Texas, but yeah, this is her who. born and raised in Texas? You don't have the Texas niceness, the fakeness that we have? Not anymore. Though? I fought hard to not. But listen, we're going to talk eventually about spiritual abuse. And I think that, uh, you know, evangelical Christianity burned a lot of that out of me. Because like, oh. trust your gut. <laughs> and you start looking at yeah. people. I'm not anti-pastor. No, I believe in but Jesus. You're like, we go to a great uh-huh. church. We love our pastors. I'm just going to say that. I love pastors. I know a lot of really good ones. But I also know a lot of yep. pastors that are managers. I know oh. a lot of pastors that were in position that didn't have sympathy or empathy and that were there for selfish so reasons. I know a lot of worship ministers that were in position because they wanted to be in the limelight. And let me tell you, that breaks people. You're breaking well, people, right? <laughs> no, it's true. If you do not have the ability to function in that empathy, if it does not call you to movement, if the people you are serving doesn't call you to movement, then you're already in a, in a in a position that could lead to a lot of church hurt yeah. and abuse. Yeah. But I think like bigger than that is like this idea that these pastors, these people that are there, there's a perceived, I would say, illusion of authority. You're not an authority illusion. figure. You are a servant to those illusion. people. Dang. And if you are functioning from that place Lioness. of believing that the people that are pastoring over yep. you, yep. right, are just like the divine authority. Right, you're at risk to being abused in yeah. that culture. Yeah. Rather than looking for pastors, man, like him, 
Some of the best pastors I know, they had a servant's heart and they said, yeah. I am going to lay down my life right. for these people. I mean, that's biblical. That's how I counsel, right? I'm not, I'm not going to breach boundaries and like give every part of who I am. But when I'm in that space with my people, I am here yep. with you completely yep. because that's what I'm called to, right? And pastors like that mm-hmm. will protect people. Pastors like that, there isn't, there, you know, there isn't. There isn't even a a modicum no. of impropriety no. that you would attach to. They're here. I mean, you're marrying people that you used to pastor. Yeah, yeah. that is you've affected generational. Yeah. yeah, you have. You have. Right? That's amazing. <laughs> no, it is. There's a, such a ripple effect in the kingdom that you won't even know. You know, I think that's so true because I think what happens is if any time in our lives. And for any person, now's the time to wake yourself up. Yeah. Because I think what you're saying is it's that blind trust of like, you are in this role as a youth pastor or as a pastor or as a therapist, whoever you are, a music artist, R. Kelly, right? And therefore, I have to decide, have you earned the buy-in? And I am equal to you in scripture and in humanity. There's That's no right. hierarchy, right? Yeah. That makes me insane, hierarchies. So it's like I have the same capability of hearing the Spirit and discerning as you do. That's right. Yeah. And so if I sense a thing about you, no, you're not going to go. My kid's not going to stop at your youth group, and we're not going to – I'm not going to blindly just say everything you say at the pulpit or anything you say in a, in a song or anywhere or in therapy is legit. But it's like you have to trust yourself on both sides. Yeah, and forgive yourself oh, when yeah. your gut told you something and you were trying to be nice. Right, because those are things that you can learn in therapy about the differences for that. So, right, if there are parents that are listening, we're not saying, man, you messed up because you should have trusted your gut. If there was that gut impulse there and you tried to do what yeah. you thought was the Christian thing of being kind yep. despite feeling something, man, find a counselor, work through yeah. that because that is not your fault. Abuse no, is never, never the fault of the victim or the victim's families. You know, oh. that's not your fault. So true. That's so good. Because that's, that's so hard. Good. You can know, that's I hard. Ch- can I chime in and just say something to possible pastors or people who want to be pastors in the uh, in the uh, you know in the field? I beg you to ask yourself why are you doing it? Oh yes. Why I are say you the same doing to it? Counsels, I do too. Why are you doing? This? Why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. it's for any other reason than to help people. Uh, in their relationship with God to lead people. If you're doing it, if you have any impulse of, you know, uh, I want to, uh, uh, I want to stair step my way to something, or uh, it, you, you know, you have some type of power trip. Well, leave now. You are in the wrong position. You are called, like you just said, to lay down your life. Mm-hmm. You're called to be like Christ. Do you remember what he did? He died. He was a king. And he came to, Mm -hmm. you know, he came and and died a criminal's death. So I just want you to remember, why are you doing it? Therapist, why are you doing it? If it's for any other reason than to help people or you feel like you're going to be on some power trip, you're in the wrong Well, the truth always comes out. You know what I mean? Like the truth will prevail. I mean, yep. that, that is mm-hmm. real. And it's so like, even in this case, these people are like, we just 
how in the world? You know, it's like it comes out, it surfaces. So yep. the pastors that aren't in it for the right reason, the therapists aren't in it for the right reason. It's you I just don't right. understand why I don't have any clients. I'm like, we're in the season of swimming in clients <laughs> post-pandemic. So if you don't have clients like that I've is. some ideas. <laughs> I know. I have a few assumptions. Um, it's true because it's like, wow, what what is it? And, and you know, I think, I think, too, it's like find resources. Like knowledge is power. The more you know about yourself, mm. the more you know about what you have at hand, the better. Like as a therapist, like Jessica said earlier, it's like we don't I don't see every person. I have worked some with eating disorders, but I refer that out because that mm -hmm. is not my I am not the best suited therapist right. because yeah. I have friends who are, mm -hmm. who studied it extensively and who have worked in centers and treatments. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so the same with pastors. It's like, if you're not equipped for that in the moment, find yourself, equip yourself, get knowledge for yourself and for those that you're working with. And I think um, knowledge is power. And the more we know about ourselves and about our craft and about mm -hmm. the people that we serve, the more power we will have to function effectively and efficiently. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. That's good. We we are so thankful for you listening. Yeah. And um, I just, I'm curious, just any comments you have, any thoughts, anything um, you want to add to our conversation, we welcome it. And um, tell your friends, share it, like it, and just um, spread the word, just because we hope that we can create our own ripple effect, no matter how small, just in the community of church and, and therapy and um, what we do and who knows what other diary disclosures you'll get before this season's <laughs> over, but here we are. <laughs>